The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, here's the topic today on Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary that I know is going to ring true. Uh, Unfortunately, for just about all of us at some level, as you go down the age range, for most of us, I'm 57, so when it comes to the topic of fear and the, and the impact that fear can have on your life, uh, it's not a huge issue for me. There are times when I know my fear is irrational, when my fear is not being overcome by my faith. There's other times when I know my fear is relevant, and I should pay attention to that. But that's at my age, and, and having uh, been walking with the Lord as long as I have. It's one thing, but when you go down the age range, boy, when you get down to the 30s and the 20s and especially teenagers, as we've been talking about recently, the recent CDC study uh, on teenagers and especially teen girls or about 40 percent of them. And this is up about 60, 70 percent from 10 years ago are struggling literally with a daily anxiety, depression, fear, just negativity. And so a lot of people, I know a lot of people personally that really struggle with fear. We've seen it in our own home and with a uh, couple of our kids. And so well, how do we deal with the topic of fear? So we're going to work our way through this today with our good friend Bruce Myers back in the house. And we're going to be talking about this subject for the entire hour and, and, and try to get our hands around it because there are aspects of fear. It's not always negative. And there are things that, that God is like, yep, yep, that's healthy fear. And then there's another type, type that's not. And then by the time we get to the, towards the end of the show, we'll talk about something that this never happened, Bruce. I, I didn't know anything about panic attacks when I was younger. And oftentimes I, I can be rather hard hearted about that. Uh, but that's a very real aspect of, of life today in the 21st century. But it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you, Steve. Good to be here with you again. It's great to have you. And uh, this is a huge topic. And I think it's, uh, we probably all need a tune-up on the topic of fear. And we have a lot of reasons to be fear. That's not new. I mean, life is pretty wild. And whether we're talking, I mean, just the other day, the mass shooting in Louisville, two weeks ago, the mass shooting in Nashville. We have financial issues. We have worldwide peace issues. We have China. We have Chinese spy balloons. We have COVID. There, there's all, and, and really, I think in the COVID story, Bruce, fear was the main driver. Uh, Correct. From the, from the governmental level down to the individual level and still see people today driving around in their cars with a mask on. Uh, but, but we have to kind of identify fear because, like I mentioned, uh, there's types that are like, yep, that's good, and there's types that are not. But where do we kind of start so we can kind of set the, 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 the groundwork for this topic on fear? Well, I think the Internet has contributed to this in a huge way because now we have the sense that we're omniscient, that we can know all of these things at the touch of our fingers with our phones, whatever devices that we have. But we have less and less of sense of omnipotence Mm -hmm. to deal with those problems. And this is where God comes in with the picture, because even though I know all this stuff, I really need him to make sense of it for us. And so the fear issue is expanding just because we have so much more access to information today than we used to. Yeah, and the 24-hour 24, 24 news cycle oh, contributes to that. Right here. I'm holding my iPhone in my hand, 
and right. I'm assaulted by information all the time. You literally have to go out of your way to not be assaulted by information. And in and, and a couple of my classes this week, you know, I have about 160 high school level homeschoolers that I teach every week in, in different classes. But we got on this subject this week and I was trying to explain to them the difference between life for them at 16 or 17 and life for me when I was 16 or 17. And I'm like, back then, I didn't know much about anything going on in the world. Nightly news, nobody reads the newspaper, no young people read the newspaper, no CNN, no internet, no nothing, as you mentioned. And now today, these guys, you have information coming at you all the time. As soon as there's a shooting going on in downtown Louisville, if you're on TikTok, wherever, you're going to find out about it. And all of a sudden, it looks like everything's going uh, south all over the place all the time. And I think that's a huge factor. Right. And I think our politicians mm. and the news media want that to be in place because then you need me to solve these problems, which they never do. Right. And they leave God out of the picture entirely with all this. So it's just feeding frenzy of fear that we're experiencing. So is, let's start with the positive side of it, and then we'll, we'll kind of distinguish here between good fear and negative fear. But isn't fear something that, because uh, we're told to have the fear of the Lord, so it sounds to me like fear might have originated in the mind of God. Correct. And when you read the book of Proverbs, he stresses that over and over again, which fear me, which I don't think that's always to be a fear and trembling. It's right. more of an awe, a respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 an amazement filled in our hearts of God. Um, for a lost person, though, who's living in disobedience, certainly they should have a a fear of judgment and fear of things to come. Um, but that's not what God intends for the believer. Fear is also protective for us. I mentioned that if I'm climbing a, a ladder to a two-story house, which I used to do that in Wisconsin when I lived there, that fear protected me from doing foolish things on that ladder, from reaching too far or trying to reach to paint something. I I get down and move the ladder. So there's a protective element to fear. I'm anticipating possible disasters and I'm not doing foolish things. And so God does encourage us to keep that in mind. The wise man sees danger coming and prepares for it. So there's a positive element to that. And then it goes, but for a lot of us, it'll go south fast. And in and and the blog post today, which is up, which I'll put a link to here, uh, it's an interesting thought here. Of, of course, uh, fight or flight, you know, do, do you stay, do you fight, do you run, uh, perceive danger? That's just wisdom. But we also had a note here about distinguishing between fearful feelings and fearful thinking that I think is really important to, for all of us to understand. I think so, because quite often we lump those two together. And if I feel feelings of fear, we often think maybe I'm being disobedient. And that's not the case. We all struggle with nervous feelings. And I mentioned in the blog, um, the the fear of public speaking is at the top of the list for most people. And so you could get up and give a, a speech or talk with somebody about the Lord and share the gospel and have feelings of fear. But if you're doing what you were supposed to do, and that is overcoming that with good thoughts, wise thinking, biblical thinking, then I can still share the gospel, even though my feelings are telling me not to do that. Yep. So, and, which is an important um, distinction. My, it was something my wife struggled with for a while. She read a great book called uh, Battlefield of the Mind which is kind of what you're referencing and dealing with feelings versus thoughts. There's a way that we're going to learn to work through this. Loosening Fear's Grip is the title of the show today with our good friend Bruce Meyer from BJU Seminary. This is Theology Thursday. Such an important topic. 
This is definitely one you need to share as far as you can. We'll be right back with Bruce. This is Steve Noble. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show Theology Thursday, as it is each week with our friends at BJU Seminary today talking about the topic of fear, trying to loosen fear's grip in our lives. And uh, whether you're young or old, I think a lot of us uh, struggle with this on one level or another. So it's something that and some people, some some people I know, some believers I know really struggle with fear, whether it's a health issue, something going on with your kids, uh, the job finances. And so we have to work through because as we were talking to Bruce Meyer today, uh, God did design fear to help us. There, there is a, uh, it's an intense emotion. Thank you, Lord, that it is uh, for protection and, and like fight or flight. And those are all good things. But then we were talking, Bruce, about uh, the difference between fearful feelings and fearful thinking. I want to make sure we stay on that long enough so we all understand it. So let's, let's back up just a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. And talk about fearful feelings and fearful thinking. And, and then you, over the break, you brought in Philippians 4a, which I think is a perfect uh, understanding of what we're talking about here. Well, the, the feelings can, if I'm listening to my feelings, can be a powerful force to drive me the wrong way. Right. And this is where truth comes into play with this, because if I'm following the scriptures, I've got a guidance for me to deal with truth. And so when when God says, don't fear man who can only kill the body, fear God who can kill body and soul, I understand there are bigger things than just what's going on physically for me. And obviously, we want to protect ourselves. We want to be wise with that. But there's something out there that's much greater than just my physical well-being, and that's my spiritual well-being. And so fearing God brings me back to truth. And so my feelings may be driving me one direction, whereas truth really needs to be governing me the the direction that God wants me to be going. And even with courage and protecting my children, protecting family, decisions that we have to make because we can't see into the future, we know that God does. And if we're governed by his truth, then I've got a reasonable, Mm. wise way of handling so much that's going on in the world that's driving my feelings the opposite direction. And I think that's the real battle because, you know, do I think we underestimate I think most of us know this by experience, but perhaps in the moment we underestimate the overwhelming power of our emotions. Correct. Because it almost like it shut down it shuts down Bruce your ability to think. You you know the truth, you you know the scriptures fairly well or well enough, yet you can really struggle to access thinking instead of feeling. Uh, even police officers will talk about this when they're in the, the fight or flight situation where they've got to react. It's their training that kicks in yeah. where the, the because muscle responses are now weakened because of the fear responses. So that adrenaline rush that we feel and those feelings that take over can actually delay a response that now puts me in jeopardy. So um, that's where we've got to know the truth well and be able to respond with that truth so powerfully when we are faced with those those fearful feelings. Well, I think, and you mentioned this before we went live on the air, we're talking to Bruce Meyer from BJU Seminary and talking about loosening fear's grip is, is the, just the amazing preponderance of anxiety and depression and panic attacks, especially among young people. We, we were talking earlier, Bruce, about the digital world and your smartphone and everything you see, TikTok, whatever platform you're on. 
and it's just it's just overwhelming and that's one of the things that i see with my students and i'm sure you guys experience it down there on campus is uh it it takes a could you mention training it takes a whole lot of training to be able to saturate your mind with so much truth that when your feelings get flared up and oftentimes like we were talking sometimes you like you better be, obey the voice of fear but we got to remember that we have a big spirit of fear in terms of overwhelming our thinking or in this case our training it, it's not it's, i don't want to make it seem like, hey, just love Jesus more. I think this is actually a pretty significant challenge for a lot of people. Well, I do think it's connected to our understanding of who we are in Christ. So the gospel plays a huge role in this. But the gospel, as it unfolds in our life, then we recognize I've got so much knowledge of who I am in Christ and what he's doing in my life, even though circumstances are so uncertain, I can rest in who I am in Christ and as joint heirs with Christ, uh, redeemed, that I have a future. And Paul hits on this so wonderfully in Second Corinthians chapter 4, in Romans chapter 8, where and James 1, uh, so many passages that hit upon our future and even what God is doing in my life now through circumstances that I don't have to be fearful or worried. Yeah, and I think one of the challenges is when I first started to kind of step out of my comfort zone as a Christian, this goes all the way back to like 2001 uh, with an experience I had in November of 2001 when I had an opportunity to go to ground zero. We raised some money. We identified the widow of a firefighter who literally had a baby girl on September 14th. Three days later, her husband was an FDNY. He was a probie. He had just gotten out of training and, and, and he was on probation and he died. Uh, near the uh, North Tower. And, you know, you, you're I had to kind of step into situations to then go experience that the promises of God were actually true, that I'll never right. leave you nor forsake you. If you go to Isaiah, we're talking about the waters aren't going to overcome you. The flames hmm. not going to overcome you. You're like, OK, all right. I read all that stuff. That sounds great. It would make a great T-shirt. But you actually have to step into some situations to then experience God's protection and his provision. And then as I did, Bruce, I found myself becoming more bold. My fear quotient started going down, but that's because I was experiencing God's promises. And Steve, I think that's where the book of Psalms can be so helpful to us because the lament Psalms, and those are a collection of Psalms that deal with complaints from the various Psalmists. And they are the largest portion of what we call genre, subgenre of the Psalms, and they are laments. And when you step into those Psalms, you are entering into somebody else's suffering and how God helped them through that suffering, helped them deal with those fears. And so God gives us words to say when we're fearful that are through those psalmists that help them when they were fearful or angry or upset, whatever you have there. And so that's what you say there. I'm entering into this and I'm experiencing somebody else's fear firsthand and seeing how God dealt with their fears then he can deal with us the same way. Yeah. And sometimes with this and the Psalms were so like when my, my mother-in-law unfortunately died at 66 from cancer. It was an incredibly challenging several years for my wife. And boy, during her sickness, after she died with my wife struggling, uh, she was in the Psalms all the time. Mm. And sometimes it's, it reminded me, looking back on it now, Bruce, we're talking to Bruce Meyer from BJU Seminary, that it, was, it reminded me of the little kid's book, The Little Engine That Could. 
And it's like you have to keep reading over and over and over right. again. And you go, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to what the psalmist said. I'm going to go back to the heart cries of David. And I'm going to go back to God's promises. And I'm just going to have to keep preaching this to myself. I mean, yeah, that, and that's what, what I saw her do. Yeah, what you're seeing there is theology lived out in very practical ways, yeah. that it's not dry and dusty. Mm. It's theology that really hits me right where I'm at with fear or anger or whatever I'm struggling with. And so it's very practically applied theology. Yeah, which is so helpful, which is what our goal is today. So when we come back, I'd like to, we've been talking about identifying fear, types of fear, and then let's start working on the remedy of fear. There's going to be a lot to talk about there. How do we begin to find victory if we struggle with fear in your life? Or you know somebody that does. I think that's probably all of us. It's either you or somebody you know. Uh, it could be uh, a mature Christian. Unfortunately, it, that still happens. Or it could be right. a younger Christian. So let's, let's work on that when we come back from the break. We're talking to Bruce Meyer from BJU Seminary. It is Theology Thursday today on the Steve Noble Show. Loosening Fear's Grip. We'll be Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, Theology Thursday with Bruce Meyer today from BJU Seminary talking about working our way through the topic of fear, which can be a big issue for all of us, loosening fear's grip, and how do you work through that? And, and again, the, fear originates with God. There's a good form of fear. We've been talking about that. But then there's the irrational side of fear and fear that God is definitely not a fan of. And so you have to be able to work through that and then your feelings versus thinking and then uh, now we're going to kind of start working into the remedy of fear because uh, there's a lot of things to do here. But again, when you reference Philippians 4, 8, and we're talking about truth, think on these things. You got to think about truth. When you're fearful, you really have to fight to engage your mind, uh, knowing that your emotions are so powerful, like the bigger the threat, the bigger the weapon. So truth is the weapon here. And so as we as we kind of start to look for the remedy of fear, I know you mentioned Philippians 4, 1 through 9, Psalm 27, and of course, Psalm 23. So which one do you want to start with? Because we have to respond biblically. That's really Oh, nice. boy. All of them are wonderful. Uh, uh, let's, let's hit on uh, Psalm 27 okay. for just a moment. Uh, David was a shepherd. And so I think when he says, the Lord is my light, uh, I, I think he understood that you know, out in the, the fields, and it could be a cloudy night, no light whatsoever. And I'm trying to guard sheep that I can't even see very well. But the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So um, if I'm fearful enough, it can paralyze me. And, and David could have been paralyzed when he hears a wolf. Right. or And instead, he has to react and protect those sheep. Same with us today. If I'm paralyzed by fear and I don't protect my family or I don't take action to to intervene when there's something that I know is harmful that coming into my home or what have you, then I'm paralyzed by fear and I'm not doing God's will now, even towards my family. So Psalm 27 can be a wonderful comfort. But Philippians chapter four really gives us wonderful principles that are detailed about how I handle fear. So if you want to talk through that, we can do that. Yeah, and I, I wanted to mention back on this on Psalm 27, I love how right in the middle of that verse, and, and it does it twice uh, in verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? <laughs> That's a pretty powerful question. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. It's kind of upping the ante there. Of right. whom shall I be afraid? And then yeah. it's like, okay, hold on a second. Is there, you mentioned this earlier, 
uh, don't fear man who can just kill the body. Fear God who can, who can, who can kill both the body and the soul. And say, so, okay, what, if, if God is for me, who can be against me? Uh, yeah, was, Romans 8 is wonderful. Oh, on my that. goodness. Yes. And I was yeah. talking to a friend of mine, Steve Dace, who's got a talk about fear. He's got a, a, a very scary Christian movie coming out tomorrow called Nefarious, which is about demonic activity. Hmm. And, and you could look at that and go, OK, I need to you should be have a healthy fear of the devil and his schemes, while at the same time remembering greater is he that is in me than he that is in the exactly. world. Exactly. First John chapter and, four is and, very strong on that. And so that's where like there have been times in my life, Bruce, and I don't know how this would fly in a seminary classroom. I don't know that I ever talked about this when I was getting my master's degree in ethics. There there have been in times when I knew there was uh the schemes of the enemy coming after me or my family when I was in my car and I would have a no holds barred conversation, uh, just rebuking the devil in no uncertain terms with very aggressive language. And I'm like, I would not normally step into the ring with Mike Tyson, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual fight here. And, and I had, I had a b- lot of boldness telling Satan what he can do with his schemes. And it might not have been the most flowery language that I could have chosen, but boy, that was a great lesson for me to remember that, Hey, listen, engage the spiritual truth here. Uh, He's dangerous. He's effective. But I've got God on my side and he doesn't. Yeah. And the scriptures are always balanced that way because Peter warns us in First Peter chapter 5 that, okay, he's a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We've got the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. So I don't need to be fearful, but I need to be sober, be vigilant. Mm-hmm. And, and police officers will tell you, I can't be on red alert all the time because red alert, you're, you're exerting a lot of energy oh to be that way. But yellow alert means that I'm relaxed, but I'm on guard. I'm alert. And I think that's the way we need to be with Satan, Satan, and especially with our own flesh, because James 1 warns us that's really where my where I'm led astray into temptation. Every yeah. man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desire. So uh, that's my biggest enemy. But I'm still vigilant about protecting myself from the principalities and powers, and I'm engaging Amen. with the armor of God. Amen. And, and you mentioned on the break— uh, since you mentioned police officers, I mean, it's your son and his wife. Yes, correct. Yeah. Our daughter-in-law, they're both police officers. Yeah. So you got to deal with the realities of that all the time. We were talking about it on the break and we, and we'll watch the news and you think like the, like the, the mass shooting we saw in downtown Louisville the other day and the police show up and they're engaged and, and now it's everywhere. It's on every social media platform. It's on the news 24 seven for a couple of days. And you would think that America's turned into the gunfight at OK Corral. And those are your feelings. But right. the reality is, given the number of police officers that are out there and, and, and all the engagements that they're in every day, that's actually a tiny, tiny percentage. And so rationally, it's not like that's a normal concern. It right. can and so, but it's not. So I do, I do comfort myself with those truths mm-hmm. and that God is, as long as God has a plan for my son and daughter-in-law, mm-hmm then his plan is going to be fulfilled and they're not going to be shot prematurely or die prematurely. But I'm still conscious of the fact though, that our world has made police officers very unpopular mm-hmm. and, and, and have emboldened people now to go after police officers, which I think is completely the opposite of what we should be doing in our country. Yeah, amen. I'm 100% with you there. Let's jump to Philippians four, uh, one okay. through nine, help us work through that. Oh, absolutely. In verse one, he states his proposition, and that is, I want you to hold firm 
because apparently the Philippians were in some kind of a panic over Paul's condition. You see that in chapter one, he's in jail. What's going to happen? What will happen now to our mission work? And so Paul's saying, hey, hold your ground. Don't panic. So stand firm in the Lord. So there's the introduction now to what I need to keep in mind, the theology. If I'm standing in the Lord, then I don't have to panic. Verses 2 and 3, he hits on the issue of solve the problems that you can solve. And there were a couple women in the church that were apparently fighting over something. So he tries to solve that. Paul isn't trying to get out of jail but he is dealing with the problem that he can handle, and that's these two women. And uh, so verses 4 and following, though, he deals with our attitudes and our actions. And notice how he says it, replace worry with prayer, Mm. because I don't know the future, but God does. And so I can go to him with prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving. And I think that word is cluing us into the fact that I can already be thanking God for how he's going to answer that prayer even before he answers it. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting him to do what is best for me. And, of course, that brings a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't even make sense. And he talks about our hearts and our minds there. And Paul often uses those words interchangeably. But I think in this context, he's probably dealing with our emotions, our hearts, and our mind, the way we think about things. And so this sets up a sentinel with me. So the the governing principle there that he says, though, is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's this vertical relationship that I have with him that governs everything Everything else. else. If I've got that in place, Mm -hmm. then I can be sweetly reasonable towards others. I can be praying to him, trusting him. I can be replacing uh, those thoughts that aren't constructive, verse 8, with thoughts that are constructive, that help me think on truth and replacing lies with what's true. Yeah, and that's like with... with, uh... Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. And again, I I talk about this stuff often on the show, but also in my classes. I'm like, do you think God would put something in there if it weren't actually possible? Yeah, that's exactly right. But Paul knows it's going to be hard because he mentions, yeah. Absolutely. And you go, hey, let's just contemplate that for a second, that God has expressly stated that it is possible to be anxious about uh, nothing. And, and look go, where okay. he is. He's in prison when he right. wrote those words. Right. And then you work through it. And then he's like, oh, that, okay, prayer and supplication. Right. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. This always reminds me of a couple of different circumstances. Uh, you'll remember this because you're old enough. Uh, Lisa Beamer. Yes. So 9-11, Lisa Beamer, her husband's on the, hmm. uh, on the plane that goes down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. He's the one that said, let's roll. They stopped the plane from getting to D.C. He's a hero. And I remember the backlash because she was on Larry King. She was on these. And she had this piece that was bizarre to the world right. watching her. They're like, you lost your husband. Your kids lost their dad. And yet she's in these these in these interview environments, Bruce, where she just has this. Just like bizarre is the only word I can think of, because it's a piece that surpassed understanding. Right. Because she was a believer. That's a great example. And I'm like, yeah. there you go. In the midst of that nightmare. Yeah. She had and how go. Paul wraps this up, if you'll notice verse 9, he says, the things that you've seen in me and heard in me. So he's not talking in a vacuum here. That right. I'm telling you to do something that I don't know how to do. Right. 
when he was Acts 16 was with when he was with them their first time and he's in jail he's been beaten and Silas and him are singing hymns in the middle of the <laughs> night while they're in stocks and and having been beaten yeah, so that's right. just do them so he's giving them the example right. you know that I do this that's right now do it yeah it's practical it's not oh, just, it's wonderful uh, something to be written down in a book we'll be right back yeah. with Bruce Meyer talking Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. I will not be here tomorrow. A little FYI, we're hitting the road in the morning, heading out to Chattanooga, Tennessee to visit my sister and her husband. So that's my bride and I and our youngest are jumping in the car in the morning. So I won't be here tomorrow. I'm just going to replay. I don't normally do this. Most radio professionals would tell me this is a bad idea. Uh, I'm going to replay the show that I did just yesterday uh, because I'm I'm such a, a firm supporter of Steve Dace, my brother in Christ, who's on the Blaze Network, and his movie coming out uh, tomorrow, which is nefarious. And that's opening nationwide tomorrow. Again, I, I said it yesterday, this is a, a slap in the face kind of reminder for us in the body of Christ that spiritual warfare is real. We have an actual enemy. Our enemy hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates the spirit. He hates the church. He hates you and he hates me. And you need to take that seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we just kind of bounce through life and go, oh, spiritual warfare. Yeah, Ephesians 6. Yeah, but, uh, but we don't pay enough attention to it. Speaking personally, as somebody that's been engaged in the culture for a while, I think the number one thing I underestimated as a father was the spiritual warfare, not directed at me, but it directed at our four kids. And so this movie for all of us that are Christians is a real eye opener. Uh, it, it's 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 creepy, but it is a Christian movie. OK, so this is going to slap you across in the a face and like nefarious, the guy, the, the demon in this movie uh, will not use Jesus's name. He only refers to him as the carpenter because he just he just doesn't want to utter the name of Jesus. So there's that. And then for unbelievers, it's going to be a gut punch because there's a lot of people going, <laughs> the, the horror genre is so popular in this country, especially amongst young people. And they're going to be confronted with the reality of demonic, biblical demonic activity. And uh, boy, we just have to pray that that is effective and, and wake some people up to, to seriously consider the claims of Christ and the realities that are swirling all around us. So that's uh, Nefarious Opens Nationwide tomorrow. I'm just going to replay the show. I did half the show yesterday with Steve. I did the second half with Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman, who are the writers and directors. They did Unplanned. They did God's Not Dead. So it's an excellent movie. NefariousTickets.com is the website that opens nationwide tomorrow. And pray for God. And there's never been another Christian movie like this. So just pray that God will really use it uh, to strengthen the body and to reach the lost. But right now we're talking about fear, which is a part of that movie, by the way. But again, Bruce, thank you so much for being here. It's such an important topic. I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. It's good to be with you. You're very welcome. So we we were working our way through. We talked about Psalm 27. We were working our way through uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, which is so powerful. And, and you were mentioning this at the end of that, verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. One of the other lessons I've learned over the years, Bruce, is I need to spend a whole lot more time with more mature Christians and not talking but listening. Because it's like diving into the book of Psalms. You're, you're listening to people who have actually right. taken God up on his promises and, and reap the benefits of it. Yeah, the older folks in our churches, they've been through so much, especially uh, I consider now it's a dying breed now, but the Hmm. folks who went through the Depression, uh, they know what financial hardship is like. When I hear my dad talk about some of the things they did during the war and the Depression, 
I, I think we've never had to face that. Right. And yet we've got all these other fears that seemingly are more insignificant than what they really went through. So I, I think we need a dose of reality on what's <laughs> really hardship and what's not. That's right. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, uh, Psalm 23. Now, you mentioned this one earlier, and everybody says Psalm 23, that's where you get the collective Christian. Oh, I love that yeah, song. Yeah. It's so beautiful. But how does Psalm 23 help us with respect to fear? Well, when you consider, I've got this shepherd who is guiding me, and it, he uses the rod and the staff. So there's correction, but there's also protection there. Uh, but he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, it's not death, but it's the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. it's, it feels like death. Yea, though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And the reason for you are with me. So God constantly comforts us with his presence. And that's what you'll see in the Psalms. You'll see that in the book of Hebrews. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or Jesus, when he gave the great commission, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's the great truth that gives me comfort. No matter what's going on in this world, I know God is with me. And he knows the beginning from the end because he is sovereignly governing all of this. So even when it feels like things could be grossly out of control, right. I know God is still in control. Yeah, and that's something, again, that I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about my wife and, and my mother-in-law who passed away young at 66 from cancer, is you really have, like Psalm 91 was back, I mean, over and over mm. and over again. And, and, and you literally have to just kind of keep preaching God's word because that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the truth that will—, will overwhelm and and manage your feelings. And again, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. Uh, feelings of fear can be very helpful, but they can also be debilitating and destructive. And that's where you got to bring the truth of God's word. And we see also through Psalm 23, I always talk about that one, Bruce. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm like, are you, what do we call somebody that's afraid of their shadow? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Right. There's you know, probably a, a, a name. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, that's, that's, hey, you know, uh, are you afraid of your shadow? Of course not. Okay. Well, you saw him 23. David's saying, lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm like, so even death for us as believers is a shadow. If mm -hmm. you're not afraid of your shadow, why are you afraid of death? Right. To live as Christ and to die is gain. Okay. That sounds like a pretty yeah. good deal to me. Yep. And that was Paul's attitude, and, and that really governs the rest of the book of Philippians, that uh, verse 21 that you just mentioned of yeah. chapter 1. If I've got that mindset, then I, I don't have to be afraid of what happens to me, even if it's the worst thing in the world, you know, imprisonment or torture or death. I'm with the Lord either way. Yeah, yeah, it's so powerful. We talked about brush. We touched on this just briefly before, but I wanted to make sure because uh, panic attacks is a very real thing. I've seen it a couple of times. It's it's yeah. really as an outsider watching that happens. I mean, it's 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 scary. It's uncomfortable. My heart breaks for that person. But I but I can sometimes struggle, Bruce, to to kind of belittle it, to actually not give it a, a, the kind of respect. And I, I'm struggling to find the right word, but I think you know what I mean. To not just yeah. brush it off and say, "Well, that's just a weak-minded person." I mean, okay. panic attacks are well, real. Well, let's let's attack it because what what a panic attack is is a physiological response to the fears that I'm having. And we call it the fear of the fear, because I may forget what I was even afraid of, but now I've got these feelings, and now I'm afraid of these feelings more than I feared the original trigger. 
And so the physiological response, as a biblical counselor, I want to get that out of the way so that we can work on the spiritual issues. And the trigger point for for a panic attack seemed to be breathing. And doctors will go after breathing. And so what I do with my counselees now who are struggling with panic attacks is there's an, a free app on the phones that you can get mm. that's called the breathing app. So the breathing app, download it for free, and it's a rubber ball that expands from five down to one. It shrinks and then expands back to five. And you breathe with that, and it wow. seems to correct the physiological issues involved because what they're doing is hyperventilating. So they start to feel tingly feel, uh, fingers. They're perspiring. They're nauseated oftentimes. Their heart is racing because they've got these reactions to the fear. So if we can get the body out of the way, now we can focus on biblical truth that handles the fear. And so I recommend that to people because we get the body out of the way, then we can focus on the spiritual issues at hand. And that's where we go to Scripture. Yeah, and that and that just leads me to want to encourage people and challenge all of us because I think us in our generation, the older generation, whatever you want to call it, when we hear about younger people having a panic attack, I think because we're so highly politicized and the culture wars is seeped into everything that we're like, oh, you know, another snowflake, another wimp. <laughs> these kids these days, they're so wimpy. But uh, just a friendly reminder to everybody, none of us grew up in an environment like these kids are growing up. Right. None of us. This is a whole new world. It's like the twilight zone has become reality. <clears throat> the, the, the forces of darkness are, are taking advantage of the digital world just as much as anybody else is. And I just want to, because I've struggled with it myself, Bruce, like I mentioned, I want to make sure we are not belittling that and just kind of calling in their name or calling them snowflakes. I mean, you, you and your counseling, this is real. And the right. physiological aspect of it is real. And, and I just want to, I just felt like I needed to say that. Yeah. And and it's good to talk about that because the, the solution, it's not always easy to practice, mm -hmm. but it's an easy solution. And if they can just get that body out of the way, as they're thinking about God, they can be praying, they can be thinking scripture, but they've got to focus on getting their breathing normalized yeah. again. And that gets the body out of the way so that they can focus on the spiritual truth that will help them with that particular trigger point. Yeah. And that's just embracing the reality of the moment. And so it's not uh, wrong, everybody. If somebody needs to deal with their breathing techniques, the breathing app, thank you so much for, for mentioning that. I'm sure it's pretty much any app store you go to. It is. Google, Microsoft, whatever. Uh, but the breathing app and then scripture. So it's like, hey, I'm just going to throw Romans 828 at somebody. N -n 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 hey, easy, that easy, Tiger. Uh, there is a place for scripture. It's not always first. And I know right. some people get nervous when they hear me say stuff like that, Bruce, but I'm like, okay, that, that's just the reality of it. Got to get the, I love how you put that. Got to get the body out of the way, the physical, physiological reality. So, so that your mind can begin to work. Properly. Right. And it is a spiritual root issue. Yeah. It's, I've got these fears that I've got to deal sure. with, but once the body gets in the way now, they're not going to hear mm -hmm. the scriptures because everything's just running amok now with them physically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. I've got links up today. Uh, for the blog post, which is what we've been basing our conversation off of. So you can go check that out uh, on Facebook Live or Rumble. If you want to just get there yourself, this is the same place where we always share these awesome blog posts every Thursday. Seminary.bju.edu backslash radio. Seminary.bju.edu 
backslash radio, and you're going to land there and have access to today's blog, Loosening Fear's Grip, and all the other conversations we've had almost the last two years now. It's such a, such an incredible blessing, so rich, uh, the teaching there and the wisdom there. So don't miss out on that, especially today if you struggle with fear like so many people. Bruce, as always, thank you so much for your time. It's always wonderful well, to have you. Thank you, Steve. Good to be with you. You're and very God welcome. Bless. Hold on just a sec. We'll pray together. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by The Truth Network.